I would describe this film as a temporary tattoo. Let's fucking get it. This one's to you, Ben. This is for 20 more days in the cage. 20 more days. It's just me and you, baby. Mano a mano. Let's fucking get it. The final stretch (laughs) of this marathon. And I say final stretch knowing that that is still, you know, the best part of a month remaining still. But it doesn't feel it anymore. I think think now I, I felt horrible for the last couple. But you know what? This is day 80. We've just finished what I'm fairly certain can't be topped as the worst film. Everything is on its way up. 80 days. We spent 80 days inside this beast. 80 days. Do you want to quickly reflect on some of the disrespect that we've been shown in those 80 days? <laughs> like, famously, someone flew around the world in 80 days. Wasn't that Jackie Chan in that film? That's right. Jackie Chan famously <laughs> circumnavigated the globe alongside Owen Wilson in a mere 80 days. Fuck, I'd love to read that. That's a different that. film. I thought it was Steve Coogan. Oh, maybe you're right. Owen Wilson and his brother Luke star in that as the Wright brothers who develop the first aeroplane. What a bizarre pair of brothers they are, Owen and Luke. I always think that Owen Wilson is the more popular and probably he is, but Luke Wilson's done substantially more films. That, He's uh, a lot more popular in in the sense that I've never heard of his brother. Luke Wilson, guarantee you've seen a movie with him in. I, I must have done, but I mean, you know, you know me, mate. I I, I watch a lot of of movies, <laughs> but not <laughs> only that. Uh, only that cast certain members. A certain guy, Luke Wilson, has been in films such as Old School, The Royal Tetenbers idiocracy he's gonna be in zombie uh, okay I, I, yeah i know him from the royal tenenbaums and bottle yeah. rocket he oh so he's has uh, done... i've never i've never clocked that that's owen wilson's brother that's fantastic yeah once you know you can't unsee it they've got the wow. similar nose i mean i mean literally wow, wow. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah they were both that's in, incredible yeah he's in bottle rocket scream 2 i mean yeah what what a much better brother bong water <laughs> Dog Park. He is in Charlie's Angels, Legally Blonde. Some staples. Mate, of the era. he's the uh, he's the sex class counselor in Blades of Glory. That's right. Yeah, yeah. What an absolute muck cameo. I watched that film uh, quite recently, actually, in one of my bids to remind really? myself that cinema can be a fairly fun medium. Oh, I yeah. love this. You've 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 taken my two recommendations of Zoolander and Blades of Glory. Yeah, listen, man. I I trust and I respect you. You've let really? me down because... some, some bad paths <laughs> in the past, <laughs> or at least not stop me from heading down certain ones. Did you did you at least go for the full uh, Luke Wilson experience and go for Charlie's Angels full throttle? Mate, Charlie's Angels is such a such a sick film. It's got nothing on Legally. He's in both Legally Blondes. What a legend! Is there a second Legally Blonde? I of love course the there first is. One. I love the first. How Legally dare Blonde you? So much. No, I I never I didn't even know there was a second one. Wow. That's how it's his first film was Bottle Rocket. That's incredible. Reese Witherspoon is such a legend, man. I'd love to like get dinner with her. She just seems like so much fun. <laughs> I, 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 so I you don't want to talk about Arsenal? I don't know where to go from that. <laughs> you want to have dinner with Reese Witherspoon? Yeah, she just seems like good fun. She's got like sweet, fun, fun mum energy, which is hard for me to say, apparently. She just seems like she'd have some good stories, but she'd also be attentive and listen to what you're interested in. Recently, she was just basically going on this big online campaign on her own to be like, someone put me in Stranger Things. She loves that show. <laughs> She's an accomplished actress. She's like, just someone put me in that show. I will love it. I suit it. Get me in it. And I'm all for it. I love, I love that energy. But I, I don't know about that. All right. Can't win them all. I, I don't know. I, th- I feel like, you know, meh. I'm trying to find out things you can achieve in 80 days. Hmm. Actually, Christ. I don't think I want to read that. <laughs> no, think... go on, mate. Well, what, what's up there? Uh, I, things... we, could, we could have passed a, a, a job probation period. Yes, you're right. <laughs> which which uh, I have also never done. <laughs> how pregnant are you? You're in maybe your second trimester. Wait, tri means there's three, and presumably they happen 
in third <laughs> along the night. Well, yeah, we'd be approaching. So, yeah. We'd be approaching it. Phileas Fogg, that was his name, around the world in 80 days. This, this is jumping all over the place right now. You got any more shark facts? <laughs> oh, yeah, let me get some... Uh, Let's get some unusual shark facts, please. Yeah, the others have been a little bit too obvious, mate. Now I know that some of them are actually blue. Whoa, that's fucking crazy. Hammerhead sharks are a 360-degree field of vision. You cannot sneak up on these guys. Try as you might, you cannot get the jump on a shark. Cookie-cutter sharks, which I don't know if is a particular breed of shark or just a way of saying generic sharks, steal circular chunks of flesh from living prey. They steal circular chunks of flesh. That implies that they are possessions of them and not attached. Rare megamouth shark feeds on krill. Let's talk about Arsenal from 2017. (laughs) I didn't hate this film. I... mm. I did not hate this film, and I enjoyed it. Go on, go on. T- tell me, tell me why IMDb gave it a four out of ten. If you th- <laughs> if you don't think it's rubbish, don't get me wrong. It it wasn't good. I by yeah. no means would rush to watch this again. But it's just it's a good looking film with good looking guys in it, and we get to see most importantly, of course, the return of my voice is breaking up. You've been thinking about it. The return of Eddie. This is what immediately upsets me: is that everyone else? Well, I say everyone else. One guy is really good looking. But he's too good looking for the rest of the cast. Right, he does set the bar a little too high. Way too high. Like everyone else looks like pure. Everyone else has gone out of their way. Even John Cusack looks like a sack of shit. Well, clues in the name. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, the guy that plays Mikey, fucking hell. Like, fuck off. I'm not. I'm not into that. Not that. And obviously, Cage. But you're not him into back. that. Could no. you elaborate on that? I'm not into it. I, don't, I, just I looks thought like he shit. was sexy. He was rugged. Really. I mean, don't get me wrong, his uh, younger brother, whatever his character I mean, the man is quite literally dressed like a pure fucking racist the whole way through. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Listen, I didn't say I want to have a conversation with him. I just want to watch him take a shower Oh, God, yeah, wash those SS tattoos off his back or something. (laughs) What? (laughs) The worst movie screen tattoos (laughs) I've ever seen. They look like fresh transfers. Like, seconds before they said action, they'd just peeled those things off. I would describe this film as a temporary tattoo. (laughs) Honestly, like this, this is the henna of film. It sounds like you did a tiny bit of research on. Nope. Okay, <laughs> on, on no, nothing to do with this film because I'm just fascinated to see like how it came to be and how most excitingly of all, not only does Nick Cage reprise his role as Eddie in this from the film Deadfall from what 1998? I don't even remember. 1998. That's the year. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly most excitingly, and I found this out whilst we were watching along live with some of our friends. I was doing some research during one of the more uninteresting scenes of the film. Hard to pick which one that was exactly. That <laughs> Nicholas Cage's brother, Chris Coppola, also stars alongside him. Chris Coppola, you will remember, I'm sure, from Dad and I accidentally being a bit drunk and issuing a verbal beatdown on the guy, saying that he looked like some sort of retired pro wrestler. I'm but not he sorry. Is also most notably the director of Deadfall in the first place. Crazy. I love this. So we couldn't find out anything about whether this is supposed to be a sequel or if he's just bringing the character back for fun. But I did find out this is actually just meant to be a sequel to the film Deadfall, (laughs) even though Cage dies in Deadfall. Like, specifically, vividly on screen. He comes back literally to die again. This makes no... I I thought they were maybe going to do it as a prequel to begin with, and I was like, oh, okay... This yeah. makes sense, but well, no. Well, this film we watched, Arsenal, has a 23-year time jump on it. So I wondered if the action Deadfall slotted between there or something, and we were going to see him and he was going to be all scarred. But nope, just don't worry Don't worry about it. So did you realise the guy that plays Mikey? That I, you, I mean, we know how I feel about how he looks. Do you know that he was the star of 8mm 2? <laughs> what? <laughs> there was an 8mm 2? Well, yeah, when a film's going that well, you don't stop it. <laughs> But what I had, I had no of all the films we've watched. That is the one <laughs> low down on the list of ones that would have a sequel. Well, let me let me give you a little synopsis. An American diplomat and his fiance venture into the sordid underworld of section pornography in Budapest, Hungary, to find out who is blackmailing them with a porno video taken of them with a prostitute. I'm telling you, man, they should have called it Hungry for Love. <laughs> Ben, 
Can you give me your IMDb review of this film based on how much you'd want to watch it with your dad? <laughs> Actually, why don't I? Why don't I give my dad a call and <laughs> see what he reckons? Oh uh, yeah, I think that's that's the only way to solve this. All right, let me call him up now. Hopefully, we don't get feedback on the microphone. Hi, Mom. How you doing? I'm fine, darling. How are you? I'm very well. Just a quick one. Is Dad around? No, he's out walking. Oh, that's a shame. I've just discovered there's a sequel to that great Nick Cage film we watched together. I wondered if we wanted to get together and uh, watch the sequel. But hey, listen, you can't win them all. <laughs> a sequel to 8mm? Yeah, I'm presuming it's just no. called 9mm. No! Yeah. Well, you know, I thought I'd at least give him the option before I ship the option to someone else, but there we go. No, I don't know if he can cope with that. At least you, you don't have to squirm watching it with him this time. Yeah, no, thank God. <laughs> yeah, no, he's out walking. I don't think he'll be back for probably about an hour. He's trying to walk off the memories, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thanks for the same, Mum. Love you. Bye. That's all right. See you at the weekend. Bye. Just when I thought this podcast was done with guests and we get the MVP of the whole series. <laughs> oh, that... <laughs> uh, like that's been my favourite moment of the whole of this. Bless her heart. My mum's very supportive of the show and whenever I catch up with her, she'll tell me how far in she's listened. She says, on the most part... Oh, she's a listener? Yeah, she listens oh, in infrequently, sweet. bless her heart. I mean, at one point, she may even listen to this one if we've not scared her off. She wasn't a huge fan of the Gone in 60 Seconds episode, where we discovered that the Greek title of the film was Come in 60 Seconds. Don't think she liked that episode and those jokes as much. I don't think a lot of women are into Come in 60 Seconds, to be honest. <laughs> not prepared to entertain that joke with your mum? No, less no. so. <laughs> So, <laughs> not even a little quip there, Ben. Uh, what were we talking about? Well, we're trying to talk about Arsenal, my IMDb rating of eight point oh, yeah. two millimeter. I was trying to think out about uh, how how what IMDb would would actually stand for, but it's some sort of internet movie dad base. <laughs> internet movie dad bod. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you think of Arsenal, Dan? Um, I, I thought it was shit. For, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll level with you, mate. Fuck, I respect you sometimes, man. You just come out and say it. I'm way yeah. too much of a coward to just put my feelings on the line like that. This film has some beautifully shot moments. Yeah. But that doesn't disguise the fact that it fucking reeks of piss yet again. Mm-hmm. This, this is just complete trash the story makes no real cohesive sense it smells like a car park stairwell exactly that you can smell the piss but you can't see the piss you know what I mean (laughs) that's a perfect analogy this is car park stairwell cinema you know it's pissy even if you can't see it they've done a great job disguising it they may have scrubbed the wall of all the graffiti and the tags and the stains but you know some sordid things have happened in order to get this this way Hey, Dan, I've got a fun idea. Okay. Tell me which Nick Cage film that we have watched this far over the course of the last 80 days that you would most like to see a sequel get made to. National Treasure 2? There isn't National Treasure. (laughs) I could have a sequel to any of them. Yeah, yeah. Because of all the films, who would have thought it would be Deadfall that would essentially get a sequel? Yeah, I mean, none of the sequels he's done really make any sense. So not, nothing is off the books, really, is it? Um, I would go as far as to say maybe World Trade Center. Yeah, sure. Would be a great sequel. Um, WTC2. I mean, on, on, a, on a real note, Matchstick Men had some real opportunity. I'd love to see more about that character, about old Roy Waller, see what he's doing. What, as a mattress salesman at the end? Yep, carpet salesman. Carpet salesman, sorry, completely right. Well, actually, interesting but I, 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 I feel like he can... could be brought back into the world. I feel like there was a lot there. You can't shake off the con life, as Eddie has just proved to um, us. We've spoken about Face Off, there being uh, just so many sequels. But it's not necessarily that I want a sequel, I just other, I want other people to swap faces with people. Yes. Yeah, um, The Rock was the one that I would absolutely love for a sequel of. I mean, that's set up nicely. Oh, I wonder what Bill Furpo's up to. <laughs> well, at the end of Trapped in Paradise, he maybe this in the sequel to that at the end where he 
meets up with his love interest and his family leave him behind he is literally trapped in paradise after he is unable to escape this loveless marriage he enters so really, well, look, yeah. let's let's talk about the one film that i think we're both going to want to see the sequel to does it start with a g and end in pause <laughs> it's i'm literally looking at that right now and thinking is that what i really want but Pitch the, this. The, g force 2 colon Speckles Redemption. Ah, oh, would Speckles be a bad guy? Well, this in, is in your thing, ideal we, sequel. We, last at the end of the time, at the end of time, sorry. We know how easily Spuddy is. At the end of GeForce, we see him on a desperate bid for redemption, and he is eager. He is keen as anything to get back in alongside the GeForce and make wrongs right and atone for the sins and the global domination that he at one time attempted. And as we've seen, the GeForce will let anyone back into the folds, including Steve Buscemouse. So <laughs> I see no reason why he wouldn't be let in. And the GeForce can come through bigger, stronger than ever before. And combining their amazing technology that Zach Galifianakis brings to them, using the power of sad Zach Galifianakis to control Speckles' brain and utilising Speckles' quite frankly bewildering technology that he's managed to as a single mole capture and utilize i think the g-force could truly be unstoppable as they head into outer space that's right the g-force are headed to mars to help the colonizing effort yeah i, I wouldn't watch that film okay <laughs> i was gonna say knowing knowing me knowing too there is nothing Nick won't do. I don't want a direct sequel of Knowing. I just want Knowing from a from maybe a, a different perspective and maybe a chance for them to rewrite the aliens. <laughs> if we're saying it's going to be a Nick Cage film with a sequel, does Nick Cage have to be in the sequel? Yes. Oh. Yeah, Knowing's not going to work, is it? No. See, a lot of them recently, he's just he's crooked it at the end of the film. Maybe next. Oh, next because I could be I cool. feel like that film had so much potential, right? And it sucked. So I think it's an easy one to overlook as something you wouldn't want to see again. But if that film was done right, I think that could be pretty good. I tell you what I don't think would be pretty good: mm. a sequel to Deadfall. So why on earth was it made? That is the real question, and I. Who was the driving force behind this? And how involved was Nick Cage? I'm going to give you all of the facts here that you need to know about this. So yes, when we please. saw... God, it was a long time ago. It was 1993's Deadfall. We saw the birth of Eddie. And we saw that this was Chris Coppola, who gets to star in, in the sequel of his own film. But it's somehow... And I can't believe it's not asked to come back to direct it. <laughs> he was He's given... upgraded. He was given, and I'll tell you what, I love this. Both films were given $10 million to make. Oh, interesting. Ben, wow, can you, you can tell me who money. you think did better? Wow, amazing what that money can do. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you don't snort the budget. Right, well, I mean, hard to say, really. Cades did seem a bit more, I mean, impossible compared to Deadfall, which is arguably, alongside Vampire's Kiss, is the wildest he's ever, ever been. But he's still a pretty loose cannon in this. Though, obviously, by the time they're making this film, he's well into his 50s, so he's almost twice the age. I can't he's, by this time, he's learned how to act and forgotten again. Right, yes. There's no question, Arsenal made that, did much more with that money, but I think that is... Cage probably came back just because he, you know what he's like. He creates a character and he creates this whole backstory for it. And he almost certainly was like, I'll do it for free. The public deserves this Eddie backstory. And I'll be honest, I was grateful to see it. So, you're, so which, you haven't really given us that. You, which one do you think has done better? Oh, which made more? Arsenal did. Yeah, well, both, both 10 million, you, you think Arsenal did better. Well, let me ta let's start with Deadfall from 1993. Managed to turn $10 million. And this is one of the greatest magic tricks I've ever seen. They managed to turn $10 million into 18 grand. Oh, my fucking God, mate. That is in. <laughs> that is unbelievable. And I, I'm pretty bad when it comes to math, but how many years forward would that bring, bring us to 2017? From when, that's, sorry? That's what? Is that 24 years? From 98? Yeah, that's 24 years. Yeah. So the, the pair of them that... 
both Nick and, and everyone else here has had 24 years to learn from this. And they go, right, 10 million in, 41,000 out. Oh, my God. Just <laughs> so, bury this fucking character. He so doesn't make you right, money. But, like, you were does right, that count but, for anything? Ugh. Jesus Christ. It's just, it's just, it's a wonder. Like, who, why are these films getting made at all? You know? Like, you could solve so many problems with that money. With, with 10 million, you could do so much. And, and it's just, oh, yeah, it's just horrendous. It's crazy, isn't it? And it's, granted, that money does somewhat go back into the industry because of everyone that works with it. It keeps a lot of people employed. That is good, undeniably. But it's just crazy that it's to what end? No one, no one was excited for this film. I don't feel like people working on it were even excited. I feel like Nick Cage was for the first couple of days thrilled to be back in this character. But even he, you can tell he gets way too much screen time. And some of the scenes, I don't know the order in which it was shot, but you can tell he's a bit like, oh fucking hell. <laughs> I'm still doing this character. It's knackering. Well, well let's see, because, you know, we, we've gone for four on IMDb with the user lists, and I think right. we, we get to learn a lot from these. And one that I found to be quite interesting is that someone put this in a... Um, it's a list of 27 different titles they made in 2017, so they would freshly watch this film. They put it in a list of movies I would give a 7 out of 10. <laughs> Can you guess what other films... <laughs> this person might have given a 7 out of 10. Out of every film that exists. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Up until 2017. Tokyo Drift. Um, actually, no, that person thinks that's a solid 9. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, oh, the, and all these films came out in 2017? No, no, it's just anything up until then. <laughs> <laughs> I've given you a lot of wiggle room here. <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth. Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, The Last Airbender, the M. Night Shyamalan re- <laughs> adaptation, um, uh, probably Alien, th- Alien 3. Oh. <laughs> uh, I couldn't remember the name. Actually, yeah, Ali- Alien 3, they probably put The Amazing Spider-Man 2 in there. I reckon they... Can you tell that I'm basically just looking around and taking reference of things that I've seen yeah. around me? <laughs> things that are in your room. It's very telling about the type of person I am that these are the things that jumped out. And Fantasia too. Fantasia too. They didn't Fantasia think it was all it was cracked up to be. That's exactly right though, Ben. It's Batman and Batman Returns. <laughs> Followed by... And I think you're going to enjoy this. This is. I love that these movies are put together here. Avatar. Oh, so I wasn't far off. Praised as one of the one of the greatest movies of its time. I honestly almost said Avatar, but then I decided to go more. Unfor- unfortunately, so you didn't. So, so you know, right. let's leave it at that. So I lose. So uh, and one away from that, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Oh, of course, of course. You were very close. Um, Alien, the original Alien film, would have got you a point there. Oh, wow, okay. And Prometheus would have got you a point, as well as The Great Gatsby. Um, I I couldn't disagree with any of these more. Uh, The more I I scroll down, the more... Seven out of ten. Yeah, there you go. There is a random person's uh, reviews of those films. Do you feel like giving a seven out of ten is the same as giving a three out of five? Insofar as, I think, really, the middle of giving something an out of ten score is a five out of ten, of course. But I think oftentimes when you say to someone it's a five out of ten... I'm usually, I've been accused in the past of being quite a harsh critic of stuff when it comes to numerical, but that's the logic I run. Five is in the middle. But people often hear five out of ten and go, oh, that's a bit harsh. But I think most people's middle line for that for some reason is a seven out of ten. Am I just making shit up? Does that sound right? No, I think that's right. I think that's the difference between IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes is that uh, Tomatoes kind of call it as it is, whereas IMDb, you kind of have like a base rate of the worst thing possible as a free. Right, yeah, very well. So you get like a lot better reviews. And this is why I get so annoyed about this because it's just people people give reviews and the, the problem with doing that it, uh, it's not rude to call shit shit right. you know what I mean and this is what I was saying the other day about you have to have opinions it's not bad to be opinionated you should you should always have opinions on stuff but you, you can't you can't cheapen them when it comes to, to, to films and stuff like that because it just means that now 
I, I, I'm I'm looking now at a list of films that has been put up against, and it includes the Emoji Movie because people won't rate things like they actually should. <laughs> I, I just I honestly really Which, really uh... really frustrates me. This was this was this was in um no this this was this was in the 25 worst movies of 20, uh, 2017 to which arsenal got four and the emoji movie got one do you do you think this is one of the top 25 worst films well i'm trying to think of what else really come out in that year and there wasn't really much to be honest not many films came out that year oh that that remake of uh, the mummy was that year with tom mate, cruise mate did and you that... ever see the trailer to that with the wrong sound no okay I am begging anyone that is listening to this, I will make it my mission to put a YouTube link to it in the show notes. A trailer of, of that came out, but the wrong version went around cinemas. So when they first premiered that trailer and rolled it out across cinemas for the first time, the audio mix was all wrong so that loads of the background music and the other Foley sound was removed and it just had Tom Cruise's voice extremely loud. Amazing. So, there's a scene in the trailer where they're flying this plane and things start to go wrong and Tom Cruise is hanging on by a thread whilst the plane, while the wind's trying to pull him out of the plane and he's screaming. But the only thing you can hear in this whole scene is Tom Cruise screaming and it is so funny. There's another sequence where a load of birds fly through the windscreen of this helicopter they're all going through but instead of the crashing, the music, the glass tinkling, the explosions of the impact, all you hear is a bird hitting against the pilot and just a quite little I think that's the power of Scientology though that Tom Cruise's voice just silences everyone. It's incredible. (laughs) I to, To see that with no context in the cinema, oh Mercy me. How would you feel about a follow-up to this to this podcast being all of the works of Tom Cruise? Hmm, cruise control. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> cruising for a bruising, which surely we would be. It's it's crossed my mind. Yeah. He's put in some good performances. He's played the same character so many times. I watched that um the mummy re- the reboot of the franchise on an aeroplane on the way to uh what's I got? I think I was going to Texas. Right. Uh, so, so that's like a long fucking flight and I turned it off I was like I, so I decided within minutes I would rather just watch the back of a seat well have you have you ever had a good experience watching a film on a flight um, on that same flight once I got used to the, the, the thing I had it had like the entire new series of Curb Your Enthusiasm before it came out right. and that, that turned into the best thing ever and then I realised they'd keep giving me unlimited wine I think they thought that I I must have been in the wrong seat because I did not pay for anything like this and I had the best time but on the way back uh, it was a very limited choice on a different airline I remember this is a weird one because I'm in two minds of this because it's one of the best films I think has come out in the last decade but it's not something that I want to watch surrounded by strangers while stuck on a plane Right. and I watched Manchester by the Sea Oof. have you seen that? Mate. No, I, but I'm well aware that is a film that will go for your heart. So this is, you can imagine me, this is maybe like three or four years ago. I've got uh, a freshly shaved head. My whole head is, is obviously like a, a, all, all tattooed up. So I kind of look like uh, I shouldn't be watching this film to begin with. No one wants to sit next to me at the best of times. And I'm sat at the back of a plane just crying my fucking eyes out whilst this fucking attendant patronisingly offers me nuts every fucking six minutes. Mate. Because it's obviously really funny to them. I cried for the first time in shy of a decade watching Pixar's Coco on a plane. It's any good. I've heard great things about that. (laughs) Mate. That film is amazing. It literally... it broke the seal on me and I'll cry at anything now. But like there's something about the combination of like this is when I was doing a, uh, this like big world tour with a, a band last year. But we crammed it into like three weeks. It was this knackering schedule. And we're flying all over. We're flying from Japan to Germany via Russia. And it was like so many hours of flying and we we're all a bit fragile. And yeah, I just popped this film on, got my headphones in, snuggled up to watch it. And Something about the combination of the exhaustiveness, Pixar just doing what they do, and just being on a being on a plane just makes the just drags the water out of me. And I cried my eyes out watching that film. I had to like I was just streaming from the face, got to the end of it, held it together a little bit, and kind of just walked through the plane, went to the toilet and just 
booed like howled hysterically and it was <laughs> an, um, such a good amazing feeling it came out and then saw the uh saw the other people that i was flying with on the trip and they were like how you doing mate i was like mate i just watched this film and cried my eyes out it was amazing and they were like oh bless you you know hope you're having an okay time and then a few hours later on look across the aisle at my buddy and he's just crying his eyes out and catches my <laughs> eye and goes coco and gives me a little thumbs up <laughs> mate that film is amazing but you will have your day ruined by it man and- i'm I'm notoriously I can't watch almost any film or even any TV series without crying. I'm too emotionally invested in anything. I think I think watching all these Nick Cage films, I'm not sure if it's toughened me up or just made me numb to the experience of film. Yeah, numb. Sure, I really feel that. Just just while we're on that uh, that note, uh, I have another flight-based film anecdote that I'd love to share yeah, with you. Yeah, go on then. It's only a little quick one. This is actually at the very beginning of the same trip when we were flying out to the very beginning to go to to California like all this excitement about going on the trip I like no I don't really know the people that well they're sort of like people I've affiliated with and we're about to just spend you know just shy of a month together doing this whole thing uh, so I'm sat next to everyone and getting excited for this trip and I decide to stick on a film I've seen before and liked like a like a you know comfort blanket uh, Matt Damon's The Martian brilliant film you've probably seen it fantastic stuff yeah great film and there's this amazing opening sequence which is all set on Mars and Matt Damon's there with his team as part of doing this reconnaissance mission essentially to Mars to discover if there's water there among other things and if long term it's habitable. This whole cosmic storm, for lack of a better word, comes along, wipes all the stuff away, wrecks everything, they have to do an emergency takeoff to escape but Matt Damon gets left behind, he gets buried under some stuff and then it cuts to a bit later and it fades up from black and you see Matt Damon coming to and pushing the rubble and the wreckage off of him, looking around, realising everybody is gone and for some reason on the flights they, they alter, I guess they don't want it to be really like really coarse language or they'll cut out more traumatic scenes because I guess they can't really monitor who's watching it. You, there's no ID thing. So this hugely traumatic scene happens for Matt Damon's character. He looks around, realizes he's alone on Mars. The camera pulls up to his face, gets closer and closer. He basically barrels the camera and just goes, fudge. <laughs> and they'd overdubbed all of the swear words in this film. And Matt Damon alone on Mars saying fudge was... Yeah. <laughs> beautiful 10 out of 10 that's that's what we want to see well look people might start to get mistaken that this is some sort of film podcast and i i i, wor- I do worry about that a this lot. is a flight film podcast people get it right <laughs> why don't we see how eddie king would do against gary faulkner we could do that but daniel i think we need to raise the mood a bit first and I think there's one way that oh, always lifts my spirits. No. I think we should be nice to Nikki. Or more specifically, be nice to Eddie. Back from the dead. And you know what? I'm just going to go straight in with this and I'm going to be really nice to him and say, you have the most savage punch of anyone I've ever seen in the film. To the Mate, point where... I can't believe within, we didn't even bring this up yet. Within one punch, he spills a pint of Vimto across the entire fucking room. <laughs> I've never seen such an excessive use of blood in a like a fist fight scene essentially it blew my mind and then when it moved into the kind of like there's a it's not, not so much a him but something playing in the background that's really kind of off color for what's happening and it's just slow-mo cage as eddie king just pummeling a guy and uh, honestly it's a really fantastic scene and i i genuinely loved it such I, a great looking bit of it's filmmaking. It's, it's so beyond the rest of this film right the, like if you sort that it's it's trailer fodder I mean, that's where this, the 10 million went was that one this fucking film shot loved slow-mo yeah like they, if they'd done that one time there that would have been so cool and so impactful but I'd say they were just padding to make up the 92 minutes of runtime in this so they just <laughs> banged loads of it in slow motion for not much reason I think this is probably about a 70 minute film without the slow-mo right right but that, that's a that's a great bit but also to give a bit more context to that there's a scene and I loved getting to spend some more time with Eddie we've gone in the past of saying that he is a for lack of a better word interesting character and Cage clearly thought so too and I genuinely got quite excited where on screen Nick Cage's little lackey, sorry, Eddie's little lackey, Post Malone, comes and says, your brother's outside. And you see Eddie go, my brother? And I was like, oh, damn. I never even considered this man had any family at all, let alone a brother he's scared about. So we go outside. I'm like, who is going to be playing Nick Cage's brother? 
You'll never guess who's playing Nick Cage's You'll brother. You'll never guess it. It was Nick... Nick Cage's brother plays Nick Cage's brother in a film that Nick Cage's brother directed 24 years ago and is now getting remade by Cage for the same price and for it's it's, it's just drivel. But then he beats his brother brother to death with slow mo punches, spilling pints and pints oh of fake blood God. everywhere. Do we think that is Nick Cage finally getting even with Christopher Coppola? <laughs> I don't know if you can ever be even for the fact that your own brother got you to star in a film and made you deep fry your own face. You, you've been had, Nick. I'm sorry, but Chris wins. If that if that was the cage match, Chris wins on every single level because it doesn't matter what Nick does to you at this point. Chris comes in, he's a cameo part. You know, I mean, he doesn't care. He's not an actor. He's he fucked you over in such a hilarious way. You've been done. There's no way back from that. I would like to be nice to Eddie and say <laughs> he's got an absolute zinger where I guess the at the core, this is a story about which, and we've not even gone close, so I'm going to see if I can do it in literally 16 seconds. Time starts now. Two brothers, uncle dies. 16 years later, one of them who's been working for Eddie many years ago is still working for Eddie. Eddie is essentially their father. They try to do a con, surprise, surprise, to steal some money from the other brother. They're having none of it. Eddie's upset that they like each other more than him. He tries to kill them. The brothers kill him. Sound about right? Yep. So when this brother goes to meet up with Eddie to give him the money that he's trying to get from them, he basically says, like, oh, by the way... You, you know, formerly I've been known as Mr. Serial Girl. I'm now Uncle Steal Your Niece. And <laughs> you might want to check in on her. And <laughs> and then he says, no, I'm not hungry, but lunch is on me and leaves. And that, that was just... That was a top, such, top zinger. Such a zinger. Loved that it. was probably the best, the best one-liner that maybe Cage has ever delivered. That is the only note I wrote about this film. I'm, I'm not hungry, lunch is on me. Yeah, and then See gone. Ya. I fucking love that. I loved it so much. Okay, now we've been nice to Nikki. I feel sufficiently mood raised, and I feel like we should definitely move on to the sl- the slowest of the bells. <laughs> it's cage match, baby. Gary Faulkner from Army of One. We got a new only champion. one yeah. year prior. It's going to be taking on Eddie King. Wow. I see. Any predictions for how this is going to shake out? We have seen this is the third film, and there's only three films that Cage has ever done that he's decided has warranted a sequel. And right. we've seen one of them become the most dominant champion we have ever seen. Sure, and the only other character involved in that toppled the champ, the dominant champion the first time. So. Exactly. So these are our strongest candidates. We never got our. We, we, we never got to do this the first time round on the basis that Eddie dies but now we've learned that Eddie can't be killed <laughs> yeah exactly so I'm willing to waive it yeah, all me too man so let's we, we see at the end we see that the, uh, it's fairly much speculated here that Eddie has been killed with a shotgun blast to the face he dies in this film but I don't see as it. far as I'm concerned he died in the last film and he's back so I don't give a fuck. This guy is In the last is back. one, we see him get killed. We see yeah. him get fried. In this one, we see the trigger get pulled. We don't see him. If so. I don't see him in the morgue, I don't believe it anymore. So Eddie King lives, and I'm willing to let this one go. So let's go straight in. And Ben, how do we feel about well, strength? Well, we know. I think we're, I think we're both going to be playing both sides of this one, because I'm, I'm just interested to see. We know how we feel about the strength here, because that man can, in slow motion, punch his own brother to death. Let, let's be honest. He's taken it 1-0. Easy. Agility. Yeah. He can't be killed. I mean, he literally cannot be killed. He but can he hand glide? Being deep fat fried. Can he hand glide, Ben? No, but this is a man who. But to be fair, neither can Gary Faulkner. So. He runs on cocaine yet again, and you would you could argue it's a performance enhancing drug. Sure, I wouldn't fault that. But like, he is as fast talking and quick witted as ever. And the fact he comes up with lunches on me on the spot. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to have to give that, and I'll I'll give that as 2-0. So this is where this is going to get quite interesting, Ben. Mm. Because I would love for you uh, to talk me through your favourite appearance of the two, because these are two very strong candidates, let's be honest. Right, yeah, and I think top outfit each is a great way to run this. We've got the fantastic... Let's be honest, Eddie's winning on outfits. 
Gary dresses like shit. He's got the he's got the United States flag sleeping bag, great accessory. But when we're talking about Gary, we're talking about the hair. We're talking about the weird little beard, and it's like the way that he uses his face. Mm. But at the same time, even if you take the accessories away from Eddie, that hairpiece, that mustache, right? Like you could strip both these dudes nude and go strictly on. I mean, don't do that. But then you could, you could go strictly on who is serving you more sauce, and it's it's probably like the the wig, the fake nose, the mustache. Like yeah, the fake nose as well. And don't get me wrong, I was astounded that Cage could look like how he did in Army of One as Gary Faulkner. That is. I've never seen him look like that before. He's more rotund. He's got a big white beard. He's got a long white hair in a ponytail. Like that's a look we've never seen from him before. So that was exciting. But really, like Eddie, you could draw, and I could know it was him right away. That's very true. Whereas Gary Faulkner, I'd think it was sort of a a hippie Santa. I wouldn't. I'd find it a lot less likely immediately. I'd cotton onto that. And also, I know we said we wouldn't, but if we're talking looks, there is a fantastic all pink suit that Deddy brings out at one point. Yeah. Here, and I just, it was to die for, quite frankly. And it's when he delivers that zinger, so it's just. Oof. So are we saying that this is straight away, we're just giving the straight 3 0? This is a strong hand of it. This might be. Yeah. And like, let's be real, if it got to Cage. Money's in the bag for him there. Likeability is the only chink in his Likeability, let's talk about... Yeah, let's let's bring it up now. Uh, hang on. Are you, are you getting some interference, Ben? Oh? I get, can you not hear that? What is that? I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Ben, he's back. <laughs> oh, my God. From the top rope. <laughs> We're having the return right now of everyone's favourite, Benjamin Franklin Gates. <laughs> Just... <laughs> He's come back. He's wielding the belt. He's having none of it. He's just sculled two beers on the way down to the ring. He's coming. For, he's coming here for blood. He thinks he. He thinks Eddie can't be killed. We're talking about someone who's killed everyone he's come up against. Jesus, and that's, you're bringing this in now. I'm Way bringing to build this up in. Those suspense. Yeah, I, I've had enough of it. Eddie's strong, but I need to know how strong. So let's restart this and go in for what it really should have been. Benjamin Franklin Gates against Eddie King. Jeez, Ben Gates plays by no rules, does he? Ben Gates invented the rule book and then he stole it. All right, from the top. Can Benjamin Franklin Gates kill a man in one punch? No, and I'm willing to concede. <laughs> that makes it 1-0. Can Eddie King steal a president? That I find very unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> that I find extremely <laughs> unlikely. I'm calling that 1-0. Likeability. Dan, I'm getting really nervous doing this, man. Like, I feel like we've really rushed into having this match. No, no, there's no way out. Oh, God. There's only one way to know if Eddie King can be killed, and that is if the one man who's killed everyone can do it. Likeability. <laughs> Eddie tries, tries to brag. He tries to brag to one of the characters whose name I didn't learn, maybe Mikey, in this, that he essentially was his father, but he doesn't do a great job. He boasts that he managed to get him laid when he was 14, but then Mikey retorts, like, you did also get me a cocaine addiction at the age of 15, which isn't great. Both not great for an older dude to be doing, really, is it? Yeah, bad guy. However, if you want to be friends with Benjamin Franklin Gates from an early age, you're going to learn. He's he's putting your your brain... He's exercising everything about you. And let's be honest, I would much rather go out and get a load of treasure than sit around in the back of an arcade that turns into a strip club that turns into a kill room. Yeah, what on earth was that? That, that makes no sense, does it? Cool hideout, dude. Yeah, cool hideout just behind the arcade machines. Wow, okay, so that makes us 2-1 Benjamin Franklin Gates' way. Let's talk about the appearance of these dudes. Do we need to? I mean... Let's be honest. Let's get to the brass tacks of this. Yeah, it's this two is, all, and let's this talk is about a Cage. Game. I can't believe this is this is some crazy stuff. So listen, <laughs> there is there's one trick up Benjamin Franklin Gates' sleeve. He has used time and time again, and it's almost it's weird saying it now because it's been a few days since we have, and that feels good. But he oftentimes will boast very loudly and proudly, especially when Buckingham Palace, about having a lovely bunch of coconuts. Couldn't possibly deny that. This is a man that, across two films, condenses this, condenses everything into one explosive blow of cage. I wouldn't say it's one explosive. There are, it's scattered throughout, but yeah, that is the main thing. If we're going to pick one moment, 
that entire scene for me, I think, is the perfect analogy of Cage for Benjamin Franklin Gates. It's the only trick he's got, really. However, if anyone is ever going to beat him, it's going to be Eddie King. But let's talk about Eddie King's use of Cage. And obviously, this is two ca- two cages, two films worth of him non-stop being it. But I suppose for slightly the sense of fairness, we will discount his original appearance in Deadfall and we will talk about what we see in Arsenal. But even so... This man, he's the he's the embodiment of Cage. The, and like, let's also break it down slightly in a more meta sense. This character only exists, and we only experience him a second time because Cage wanted it to be so. He knew there was more to give. He knew that there was a brother, and that they had unfinished. He business. knew that he could he make it his own brother. No punch his own brother. <laughs> He had to defeat his own in real life brother with the character he created to teach him once and for all who the most dominant brother truly is. You may have created this, but I can control it. But is that not because of the 24 years of shame? 24 years of shame after being deep fried by your younger brother. This is pretty wild, but I think... This is very, very close. Look, I think as a character, Deddy takes it. But as far as standout moments... I don't see much in there. We're looking at a character that's returning. He's not bringing anything new to the table. Did you get a load of the letter that Deddy wrote to his brother just after he killed him? Yeah, that was very good, actually, wasn't it? That is an indecipherable scene. I couldn't tell you anything apart from the word 17. Right. That's the only word that I got from that. So this is what it really comes down to. And Ben, I'm going to ask you this. Hand on the Bible. Only truth here. Cool. Lucky I keep one. Keep one at my desk at all times. Ben, 17 versus Haggis. I feel like that's loaded. <laughs> I, I can't I can't just answer it as simply as that. I wish I could, man. I really wish it was as simple <laughs> as that. But Eddie is not a one-scene dude. And I almost think that that supersedes the fact that Ben Franklin Gates, there's just one moment where he goes... This this is me trying to do this thing that really he's meant to be known for. Whereas Eddie does it non-stop. He can't contain it. And to me, that is so much more powerful. He's unchained. He's wild. I, I feel like I'm setting you up here for the same thing when I say 17 versus Haggis. I think Eddie takes this. Well, blimey a river. I think this is the end of Ben Gates' winning streak. I can't believe it's come now. I wasn't even ready for it. Ben Gates must be even less ready for it. Exactly. He came, he came out of retirement for this. What an ambush. This is crazy. We've got a maniac now in charge of the belt. Eddie's climbing up the rafters with it. He's white around the nose. <laughs> he's red around the eyes. He's <laughs> dribbling. He's drooling. Blood is pouring from his knuckles. The desiccated corpse of Benjamin Franklin Gates is covered in blood. The local stereo system is drenched in what appears to be Vimto. $10 million is flying all over the place on fire. It looks only like only a small amount is surviving. I can't believe that on such a small budget, such an incredibly powerful wielder of cage, of strength, of appearance was able to rise out of the ashes of a once charred by oil nevertheless corpse and let's talk about the reality of this situation he's defeated a 20 time winner of our sport and you know what ben there's 20 days to go that is insane could eddie rival him for the ultimate champion of cage the day 100 rematch of course it all makes sense now We've got some fierce competitors lined up. I don't think anyone from Teen Titans is going to take it. Red from Mandy has been... I really do think it comes down to Red from Mandy at this, at this point. And I think I think we have found our strongest three competitors in this. Ben Gates, Red Miller and Eddie King. This is exciting. This is terrifying. And this is what people come back for day after day. This gripping competition, this segment has been dead to me for so long. And who would have thought it would take the dead man walking himself, Mr. Eddie King, to bring it back to my life and the forefront of my mind and my heart and my head. And... I just want to thank Eddie. I'm afraid of him. He's now climbed to the very top of the rafters. His shirt is off and he appears to be 
urinating down towards the crowd now. Horrible thing to see, but exciting for the competition. Half of his body has been uh, completely deep fried and the other half has been blown off with a shotgun at close range and somehow he is still climbing the rafters. (laughs) (laughs) The man cannot be killed and I cannot wait to see how that goes down and how sick to death of this guy we now get. And we're going to see that come full circle when we move on to tomorrow's film which is going to be 2017's vengeance colon vengeance colon the vengeance colon (laughs) that's the uh, colon a love story exactly exactly that we've always been treated well by colon so i feel like this could be good so vengeance a love story we've got coming up Uh, ben do you know anything about this film i feel like that's eddie's mantra here for the competition (laughs) well look as i can now see him furiously touching himself at the top of those rasters screaming it's a love story get it we get it eddie well look ben don't get too excited because we are about to be treated (laughs) to one hour and 39 minutes of okay i'm trying to think of the best way to tell you this Uh i'll read you the synopsis and i'll let you be the judge of whether you think this is going to be a fun film what i will do is i'll tell you that it's based upon a novel so is the lord of the rings very true so we're off to a good start but this one's not called Lord of the Rings. This novel's called Rape, A Love Story. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. A group of strangers come to the aid of a single mother seeking to bring her rapist to justice. Can't wait to discuss this on our comedy podcast, Ben. When's the Croods 2 out? Well, at this rate, never. Oh, it's 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 from one it's from one side of the disrespect to the other. Okay, it's giveth with one hand and taketh with the other. I just I can't. I don't think I can deal with another cage film about rape. Yeah, I'm glad we've stopped having guests. Yeah. Uh, thanks for your time, Dan. See you tomorrow. Sure. Bye, everyone. you made it to the bit after the music at the end look at you here's a quick note just to say that we do have uncaged merch available now we've got sticker packs there's four great designs two of which are shiny and all of the money raised is going to a really important charity called sari the link to where you can get them is in the episode description that's it now go about your business